to the Skeptic Wire. September 2013, episode 128 of The Skeptic Wire. I'm your host, Gary Long, and with me this week is Greg Perrine. Hello. And the spirit of Donna Swafford. The part of Donna Swafford this week will be played by Harpo the dog. Yes, who is, instead of being at a microphone, under the table. <laughs> that doesn't... No. She just likes to be under the table. That is like, not like Donna. No. No, they're completely unlike Donna. Donna yes. has never, as far as I know, well, certainly not while we've been recording, gone under the table. No, never. No. Um, this is going in a dangerous direction. It is. I was thinking more along the lines that she was too drunk to sit on her chair as so I slip underneath, but... In my house? No, just in general. It's oh. in the time that we've been recording. Ah. Not in the time since we pressed record tonight, but since in we the last two and a half years. Oh, okay. <laughs> That was painfully long. <laughs> um, so, how was your week? Mine's busy. Great. <laughs> how was your week, Craig? Oh, okay, I guess. Okay. I just had a little chuckle this afternoon when I was driving home from work, and uh, there's a story about how um, San Antonio Mayor Julian Castro, I think his name is, has this big campaign to join other mayors in other cities of trying to fight texting while driving, yeah. and they want people to pledge that they won't text while driving by texting a number saying that they won't text while driving. <laughs> and I was just, well... Maybe that's not the best way to get people to promise not to text while driving, because maybe they... Anyway. Yeah. Well, Especially because most people listen to something like NPR, where this story was on, while yeah. they're in the car. Right. Well, there's. I think there's a billboard out that says, texting and driving, you know, kill. And then it says, find out more, text. <laughs> <laughs> it just set my skeptical sense. spider sense a little kind of, oh, that's weird. Yeah. It does remind me of... On NPR, in fact, there was uh, a senator who was trying to push through a talking-on-the-phone, cell-phone-driving bill mm -hmm. and because it was so dangerous because people get in wrecks, and he got into a wreck while he was on the phone. <laughs> I don't remember who that was. Yep. Anyway, so we got an email this past week, did we not? One single solitary email. But it was a, it was a big one. I mean, it was a long one. I mean, there was lots of words in it, and it, and it covered a couple of topics. Go for it, Gary. First of all, it's, it's from a guy named Ulrich, uh, who's Canadian, uh, appears. British it's a very Canadian-sounding name. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> really? First of all, he calls us fellow humans, which is, you know, in Dune, they have to test you for that. Right. So. Or is it the TV series community, the, the mascot of the university is the human beings? Uh, is it? I've never... You ask me about television, I don't know. Okay, so it's not. Why I, know, I know I know TV works, though. <laughs> In fact, I have one. It just never gets turned on. Anyway, uh, <laughs> little digression. I've been working on uh, those things um, with with the numbers and the plus and the integrals and the, uh, the mathematics equations. Yes, I've been yeah. doing maths all day. And I've <laughs> discovered that after doing very technical things, I get very chatty. You? Afterwards. No. Yeah. 
That's okay. I can cut anything out I want to. Yeah, sure. Yes, you can. Going back to Ulrich's email to us, uh, thank you so much for sending it to us. We did read it. <laughs> That's a rousing endorsement, Gary. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't respond. It was an email. We read it. We read it. <laughs> But in in it, he he covered his first thing was about honking the horn. He says that there are uh, laws, for example, against honking the horn unnecessarily because the whole point of having a horn is to warn people of danger that you are to draw their attention to. Right. It, right. And so people who are going through honking their horns just well willy nilly tend to reduce the effectiveness of actually having a horn. I'm from the New York, New Jersey area. It's a horn is like a comma to us. Yeah, and, and certainly in Kuwait uh, was a, well, pretty much everywhere in the Middle East and East. The horn is uh, accents and hellos, and it was kind of interesting how it can mean so much. It's symphonic almost. Yeah, I wouldn't say symphonic, but verbose. <laughs> <laughs> At 3 o'clock in the morning, it's really annoying. Oh, yes. Anyway, he thought that the, the laws were a good idea because if you keep on using the horn, it's kind of like, as he says, crying wolf. So don't just lay on the horn. Use it appropriately, which does change from city to city. Yeah. You know, just to attract your attention. I used it last night because some truck pulled out in front of me when I was on the motorcycle. I laid on the horn. It went... <laughs> it was <That's>... really lame. <laughs> I was really mad, and it was just this big truck, and I'm just sitting there going, you made me mad. (laughs) Well, this afternoon on the drive home from work, I was cut off by a motorcycle, and I honked at it. Yeah. Okay, my Prius is a little bit more substantial than your motorcycle horn, but people probably ignore it just as much because (laughs) it's a Prius. Yes. And then uh, Ulrich went into us talking about the... Uh, the feminism and the the problems that we're we're having with uh, Mr. Deity and and the actually whole no wait what was sexual that? harassment the sexual issues. harassment portion yeah uh, was I here for that no you were not I was not so I don't know shit about that <laughs> okay you want to talk about it <laughs> well it, you know we we talked about our opinion and we kept off names because yeah. we weren't really trying to talk about the specific issue of the specific names that have been brought up in the last few months, whether it's PZ, Dr. Stelzno, Carrie Poppy, the skeptics, or the, the haters who get block-botted or all that kind of stuff. We weren't going to get into those details, but we wanted to talk more about the culture of mm-hmm. rape and how it's seen within the world and just try to promote that issue, which is kind of interesting because today uh, I found out that there was a review supposedly produced by the Playboy magazine of top colleges for partying and consent. Oh, they, they kind of do that every year. Well, Playboy puts out a list of top party colleges, but there was a list put out of like the top colleges for sexual consent and, you know, dealing with positive sexuality and stuff like that. It turns out that it was a fake, a very well crafted (laughs) fake put out by the same people who did that think pink Victoria's Secret campaign last uh, year okay, sure. where they had a whole fake line of panties that like Victoria's Secret likes consent. They pretty much did the same thing with Playboy 
calling out the fact that Playboy doesn't really deal with rape culture despite being a magazine centered around sexuality. So that goes back to our discussion, which was just a general topic of talking about sexuality and how consent and rape culture affect the world we live in and all that. So because he mentions a lot of names, we're not going to go into those kind of details. But yeah, there's he, he seemed to think that we were kind of on the ball, at least with the general subject. Yeah. And then he talks him off about the, the specific people in the issue, which we were just... We had chosen to avoid that week, but I'm sure, I am sure some stupid thing will come up <laughs> again, and it'll be a controversy again, unfortunately, until we learn to actually deal with this as a people. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about the rape culture in general of the world, yeah. every week we're hearing something about yeah. about something Some horrible gang so, rape in india yeah. and you know, yeah pedophilia blah 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 uh but now i did know about the the mr deity controversy that happened after and i i agree with him that brian dalton's post video was not what people were saying it was it was easy to misconstrue it very very much so um Especially because, uh, you know, Brian Dalton is pretty often with kind of a nod and a wink. You're, he's being sarcastic sometimes. Sometimes he's being serious and he uses the right. same tone of voice. And Right. But in this in this particular case, his point wasn't what a lot of the people who are. It, it seemed like a lot of people were uh, hyper aware or hypersensitive because these a whole bunch of things had just come yeah. out, and he's friends with one of the people involved, and so they everyone immediately the pitchforks and 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 knives and and flaming batons after him, and I, I agree. I, I I thought that it was overblown. So I'll agree with you on the on the last paragraph there, Ulrich. <laughs> and, and last, he says that um, he doesn't know what we look like. Well, we have a solution for you, Ulrich. Yeah. If you go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com uh, slash skepticwire, you'll see a big banner photo of the three of us from our live. We have revealed ourselves to the world. You. I didn't say expose. I said revealed. Okay. Um, <laughs> you say tomato. I say penis. You know. Um, Anyway, this picture on our Facebook page is us fully clothed from our 100th episode. On the left-hand side is Donna. As you're looking at it. Donna is the female one. Right. In the middle is Gary. Gary is the bald one. Yeah. And on the right-hand side is Greg, the hairy one. He has facial hair in yes. that picture. You might have some stubble, but I have the full-on beard. Yeah. And Donna has no facial hair. No. So there you go. That's how to tell us apart. And usually you'll probably see Greg out and about and not so much the Donna and the Gary because uh, as if we're some cryptozoological <laughs> creatures. <laughs> you Greg... rarely see the Gary outside his <laughs> natural habitat. <laughs> habitat of the mixing room. Easily frightened and scared <laughs> off. <laughs> so... So Greg is the guy who tends to go to the, the, the conference, almost like all the conferences, and and he goes to all of them. He's there every everyone. No, 
Well, anything within driving distance or Vegas. <laughs> there are plenty of things that I don't go to, but you're right. more likely to see me than you are the other two. Yeah. Just because time constraints, financial constraints, yeah. and right. family yeah. constraints. And speaking of constraints, we thought we mentioned that Donna had a family emergency. That's why she's not here this right. week. Don't worry, she'll be back as soon as everything is resolved and everything will be a hunky-dory with all three of us. Yay. Except for Gary, who's a grad student guy who might miss because of crazy homework assignments and evil professors. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm a little bit like I'm in the paper chase right now. <laughs> Only with computers. <laughs> and, yeah, anyway, <clears throat> I'm not going to draw that. I'm not going to belabor that metaphor. That's true. Speaking of labor... Want to hear about someone who was born today? Yay! Nice segue! <laughs> well, you ruined it, you fuckwad! No, I didn't. I'm just pointing it out. That ruins it, like explaining a joke, which unfortunately I have to do all too often on this show. You want to try that one again? No, no, we're good. I'll keep that all in. Okay. All right, so <laughs> we'll go for a sh fairly short one this week. Fairly? Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Did I say something weird? Shmerly. Okay, we'll go for a fairly short one this week. Who was born the 18th of September, 1911? Someone. Yes. Very good. You're queen of the podcast <laughs> this week, Gary. Um, this person was an Irish peer in that um, eventually became part of the House of Lords. Okay, not like UK. a peer in the water. No, okay. no. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I don't have any other way to uh, describe <laughs> that. Um, he succeeded to the earldom in 1975 when his half-brother died. Winston Churchill. No. And 1975. <laughs> well, I mean, he was born in 1911. Churchill was with the 40s. Well, he'd still be alive. But he was never an earl, as far as I know. Yeah. As soon as he got into the House of Lords, he decided he wanted to start a UFO study group with his fellow lords. Oh, curse of luck. So this is related to his previous work before he joined the House of Lords, where he edited Flying Saucer Review. And in 1967, he founded Contact International. He was a member of the Ancient Astronaut Society. Some of the books he published, The Sky People! Men Among Mankind, Forgotten Heritage, The Flying Saucer Story, Operation Earth, which I think is a Star Trek episode, The Ethereal Subject, and the last one, The Secret of the Ages in 1974. So he wrote all his books before he became part of the House of Lords, fortunately. Uh, he was a believer in Hollow Earth. And one of the more wacky things that I had never heard of is he believed that because Mars had canals, that's where the Garden of Eden was. So that's where... Um, what the two people in the Adam and Eve, <laughs> where they came from. So Adam and Steve, <laughs> <laughs> Adam and Eve were apparently Martians who came to earth later on. Wow. Um, no, I, uh, I, I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've heard his name, but, uh, off the top of my head, I don't know. William Francis Brinsley Lepore Trench, eighth Earl of Clan Charty, seventh Marquis of Huidson. Um, he was I, I also take it back. Dutch I've never, never heard yeah. of it. <laughs> Commonly known as Brinsley Lepore Trench. No. Yeah. He was kind of wacky. Uh, one of the things he's most famous for is a few years after getting into House of Lords, he organized this long 
debate on UFOs, on you know how much the government should basically declassify all its UFO information, and there was a lot of a lot of people arguing for the governments, basically declaring there is never never anything they've ever seen in anything any documents, public or private, that has convinced them at all that spaceships ever visited the Earth, let alone hollow earth or adam and eve on mars or all this kind yeah, the, of fun the stuff hollow, the hollow earth thing you would think would be fairly simple to um debunk yeah considering well, most people think that there's a giant hole in the north pole that you can climb into the hollow earth yeah he he was one of those people <laughs> who believed that there are seven or eight of these tunnels that go down into there like you said one in the north pole one in the south pole pole one on the South Pole. That would be the anal pore. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Um, one on the South Pole and then another one in Tibet, which he said, I haven't been down there myself, but from what I gather, the beings down there are very advanced. So he hadn't been below the earth. He didn't go to any of these places like the poles or Tibet or anything like that to confirm anything. He was just sure that, yeah, okay, yeah, there are advanced people down there and this just what I believe. Yeah, I think there's a there was a comic book, some guy who got into the Hollow Earth. And I can't remember the guy's name. And I remember he had a, like a little goatee and mug though. <laughs> yeah, that could be a lot of people. I've had a goatee in my life. Yeah, but not in the '80s. No, uh, doesn't matter. So maybe he just confused comic books for real life. Maybe I know some people do that. So William Francis Brinsley Lepore Trench, 8th Earl of Ch Clancharty, 7th Marquis of Huitzen, uh, was born 18... <laughs> was born... <laughs> was born the 18th of September, 1911, and passed away the 18th of May, 1995. Huh. So he lived a long and fruitful life. Indeed. Unfortunately, he was a crazy person in government. Not that yeah. we've never had those before. <laughs> no. Ain't that the shit. Yes. Speaking of... <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. There's, I have a sort of update on the on the poop story. Oh. Yeah. So for listeners who are first tuning in, we talked last week about the squatty potty and the idea of the angle of your squattingness versus sittingness eases pooping and then the woo creeps in there from people thinking it's more natural and that it, it cure, can cure you of diseases or prevent you getting... Colon cancer it, it, it and all easier, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, it's easier for you to, to get rid of the toxins, yes. I guess, because they cling to your I don't know, colon, whatever. I knew about the whole squatting thing for, for a while because it pops up every once in a while. And I was like, okay, it kind of made sense. And after seeing that someone had made the, the squatty potty and some very variants of that, uh, I, I realized it was probably a fairly simple thing to make one. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought... If it's not going to cost me anything, I'll just I'll just see see what it would take to make a design and, and build one. Turns out, uh, <laughs> I I had all of the material at my house. Uh, I'll get that in just in just a moment. And it only took me about an hour and a half to research and then build this thing. Now, of course, I have a circular saw and the, and the reciprocal. Uh, sorry, no, reciproc yeah, reciprocating jigsaw. Yeah, my f f roommate from Los Angeles, he and I called it the uh, saw of death. Sure. Yeah. Well, not, not, a, not a reciprocating saw, but like just a jigsaw. The little, okay. The little yeah. yeah. The re reciprocating kind of. Is, like, a, is a larger one. That yeah. You can that's cut the saw walls. of death. But yes. Yeah. 
So this is the jigsaw. Okay. Just a, yeah. But this is just the jigsaw. Anyway, so using that and then you know some some little L, uh, where are those things called brackets. L brackets, and I had a, a twelve by two by four that I, I cut up for for the legs, and then for my little squatty part, I had the top of an old uh, table. Okay, <laughs> you know, similar to your table with the, with the leaves on everything, and so I just took the leaves off and everything, and it gave me a uh, a nice thing that I could cut cut out to go on my toilet. So, so I made one, made one in an hour and a half, and uh, since then I've I've been giving it a shot just to see, uh, so to speak, <laughs> so, so to speak, yeah, exactly. And as far as far as how I feel afterwards. I actually think that the ease of the motion is better, hmm. and okay. I feel as if I'm finished <laughs> when I'm done. And so I think everything kind of gets out. Okay. Well, I, in the last week since we did that story, the only thing I've done is I've noticed while I am doing my business that I point my toes sometimes, <laughs> yeah, which okay. slightly changes that angle. Right. I've done that before as well, as well as the whole, you know, spring over. So the the dangerous part of this was the first version of this that had four legs and the basically the toilet lid cut out. So it actually was right on top of my toilet mm-hmm. seat, which means that when you, I squatted, I was even further up than I would normally be if I was sitting, which caused a little bit of problems. Because first of all, uh, my my toilet was, the top of that was uh, 17 inches off the ground, so I had to step up to it. Gotcha. <laughs> That's not safe. <laughs> and then, of course, you're squatting, and then so you're, you know, you're splashing and all that stuff, so it's disgusting. Uh, hey, you want to hear about the poops? Yeah. So... What I did is I, is I cut okay, off... Okay, Ulrich just wanted to know what we looked like, not what it's <laughs> like when we poo. Yeah, this, this is probably getting a little bit too too in-depth. But anyway, so maybe we can cut out the whole part of the splashing. I don't know. I'll just censor it with a one long beep. Yeah. So anyway, I cut it out so that uh, basically, like if you look at the squatty potty, you're basically sitting down, but then you're moving your legs up, so you're actually still squatting, but you're, you're using more your, like a stool. T- yeah, yeah. You know, your tailbone's actually still touching that, and you know, it's still a little bit. I still haven't quite figured out all of the ins and outs of <laughs> of the best best way to um, seat myself. <laughs> you know, just you know, getting on and off is really the. The heart because it's it's a little homemade stool <laughs> <laughs> to help you with your foot, stool. Foot yes. stool. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I just from personal experience, uh, I, I'd say that you know I, I think it's 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 working for me. It's worth a shot. Yeah. Yep. I think I think the science baby now, like you said, getting into the woo. The only thing I'm saying is that as far as the time I'm spending in there for that particular thing besides actually, figuring out how to perch on the damn thing well yeah but that'll get better but the actual yeah but the actual time is actually it is a lot faster and it i feel better afterwards oh yeah that's sweet yeah we'll see how i feel uh, after a week or so you know another <laughs> another week or so of like ah, damn it. <laughs> and we'll see how you feel when the first lady friend comes over and what's this 
Yeah, well, uh, you have to be able to move it move it out of the way if you're if you're gonna stand because the the, the lip of since again it's homemade. I haven't quite figured all all that stuff out yet. So yeah, you can't just stand for it. So you have to move it out of the way afterwards. Cool. Well, congratulations on your little home experiment, seeing yeah. how the science would work, and and congratulations on the ease of your movements. Right. And it's, to like, get... it's like it's like homey homeyapupi, <laughs> but not pee. Poopy. Oh, poopy. Okay. <laughs> Well, speaking of poop, and to get off the subject of Gary's movements, holy water is full of shit. Holy shit. (laughs) It literally appears. So uh, there's a doctor in Vienna, Alexander Kirshner, who's a microbiologist, who went around to the various springs and fonts of churches, chapels, hospital chapels, that sort of thing, around Vienna and Austria in general. He went and saw maybe about 39 different things. Austria? Austria. Austria, okay. Not Australia. Right. Of the about 39 springs and fonts that Dr. Kirshner went and studied, he found that 86% of these fonts and springs contained common fecal bacteria such as E. coli, Enterococci, and Campylobacter. I may have pronounced some of those wrong. I am not a doctor. It's Enterococci. Oh, enterococci. Okay, cool. And also, in addition to these filthy, filthy fecal bacteria, many also contained nitrates from things like fertilizer. And, (laughs) well, uh, nitrates, which are the kind of things you find in fertilizer. Not necessarily someone, you know, was fertilizing their garden and came over and dipped their hand in the font or something. But that kind of goes along the idea of people aren't washing their hands before they dip their hands in these fonts. True, and a lot of them aren't running water. Yeah, it's a pool of stagnant water, which is never a good idea. I know. (laughs) It's the kind of thing where all he did was survey what was in these various bowls. And yes, these are bacteria, and the nitrates are also something that can cause you to be sick, Mm -hmm. but really only if you ingest them. Sure, and I think generally they just dip their fingers into the, the head, stomach... Left and right thing. Yeah, yeah. Most, at least in America, there's a lot of the signing of the cross, and you know, there's also holy water is also used in baby baptisms, but that's mostly the baby's head is dipped down and it's dripped down so it flows off the back of their head. But still, you're basically pouring fecal water on a baby's head, which is not great, but is not like pouring it down their throat. Yeah, not making them drink it or anything. But as we know from things like that story in India with the statue of, I think it was Mary or something that was had water coming out of it, and mm-hmm. it turned out to be sewage water, right. people do drink this kind of thing. It's more often in, especially if something is considered a spring, like a holy spring in Europe, they're more likely to take a glass of it and drink it because they think it'll heal them or something like right. that. Right. So you have people who are already sick, maybe also immunocompromised, especially if it's a a hospital holy water container thing. You've got people who are, you know, got the MERS virus, the, the the antibacterial resistant stuff, and they're dipping their hands in this thing, and then someone next comes by and dips it and does the whole thing, and then they don't wash their hands and then touch their mouth later? Yeah. That's not good. That's weird. You'd think, it being holy water, that it would be a protectant. Yeah. 
I wonder how much how much did he find because a little bit isn't gonna hurt you too much because for example uh, there's a lot of the full immersion baptisms mm-hmm. where they go out to rivers and yeah. rivers are not particularly especially anywhere near a city especially in India yeah well I, I was yeah. thinking just here in San Antonio the rivers are not fonts of purity themselves. Right. They didn't give a range. They just said up to 62 million bacteria per milliliter. Uh, that may be quite a bit. Yes. I mean, <laughs> may, I don't know if that's more or less than, say, a river, but it's a pool of stagnant water sitting there. Since they found that the more busy a chapel or a church was, the more bacteria there were and also the greater diversity of this bacteria, that means that it's collecting right. the the bacteria from people's hands and whatever as they dip it in, sure to 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 scoop some of it to drink or whatever. Uh, interesting sidebar is I one of the articles that I researched on looking up this said that probably the reason why a lot of these springs specifically not the not the little bowl at the beginning of a chapel or something but a spring kind of out in Europe somewhere that maybe a chapel was built around mm-hmm. a natural spring why those became holy objects is that sanitation wasn't that great in say the middle ages mm-hmm. but these natural springs were sources of actually purified water sure so someone would go out there and drink that for a week right instead of the infected water from the you know the the local town or something and yeah it was a source of health but now things have kind of flipped the other way around <laughs> that because it's not sanitized water it's not in any way protected from other people dipping their hands in that it's actually worse yeah. than say tap water so there you know i think there are things like they've invented holy water dispensing machines that instead of dipping your hands in a bowl it'll just you put your hands under like the new bathroom faucets yeah. and it'll give you a little holy water and you can do that and that that might make a little that sense might work, but, that, but that does raise the question the water is supposed to be blessed which is why it's generally that little stagnant thing right yeah but i've seen well not in person but you know like on <laughs> in television shows and some movies they'll go into a church and there'll be the the holy water there but it's actually running water okay you know because it's coming out of you know the virgin mary or whatever you know her jug or whatever not jugs jug she'll be carrying <laughs> a jug so i'm wondering how often do you have to bless that because then it's not you haven't blessed the water then and so it's just basically running water if you bless water. the statue does everything passing yeah, through the statue get exactly blessed? yeah this is some kind of weird transit of property or something yeah exactly so like if if you do that you have to bless Damn it, it every catholics week. show me the math <laughs> Yeah. How diluted is this holiness? <laughs> is <laughs> because, it homeopathic levels or because, because the bacteria is taken over here. Yes. <laughs> anyway. So what are the rules here? But yeah, so um yeah, holy water full of shit. That's yeah, a shame. Yes, yes it is. That kind of leads us into our next group which is which is about vaccines. Lots yeah. of stuff lots of stuff about vaccines this past week. Uh, first of all, what there was an article, actually a couple of articles about the rise in measles. Mm-hmm. Also, one about mumps. The flu shot was just released here in San Antonio. I can get it for for free now at, at school. Yay! Yay! So I'm gonna go do that. So what what, what we got about vaccines? Well, um, the first story I want to talk about is that apparently some researchers in Oregon have been working with rhesus monkeys, 
and they've been studying the... Which are better than Reese's Pieces. <laughs> I think we've used this joke before. I apologize. What do you mean, we, white man? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, you see what you mean, we, Kimosabi. Well, yeah, that's, that's the joke, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but going that one step further... <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, a Lewis Picker in uh, the Oregon Health and Science University, he has been developing a vaccine for the simian immunodeficiency virus, which is essentially the monkey version of HIV, which HIV is human immunodeficiency virus. And the, the nature of this vaccine is it's based on the, oh, God... Cytomegalovirus. Yay. Cytomegalovirus. Which from now on I will call CMV. And this is a fairly large virus that's related to the herpes family or part of the herpes family. So they took elements of the simian immunodeficiency virus, its DNA, and fused it into the CMV virus. Since the CMV virus is very infectious it kind of goes throughout the monkey system fairly quickly mm-hmm. and can trigger an immuno response. And not only just an immuno response, but one that will fight it and destroy it. Yes. And, and what they were saying is apparently because CMV is not particularly deadly to humans or primates in general, since we've generally evolved to tolerate it, our immuno systems don't have a very strong response to it because mm. sometimes you get an infection and boom all these t-cells are produced all at once and that's you know pus and phlegm and all this stuff is going on and sometimes it's even too much and you get a huge uber fever and things go badly but what happens with this is because we're so used to the cmv virus even if it has the immunodeficiency virus elements attached to it it'll still have that low response so the body will start producing cells that hunt down and kill the SIV or hopefully in the future or HIV virus and just go throughout the body and kind of go everywhere and slowly but surely attack the immunodeficiency viruses. So it'd be more like a, an, a like a computer antivirus or fire, firewall. Yes. So it's it's not necessarily something that prevents infection. It basically means that when you do get infected it, the body can clear it and fight it off. Huh. So it's kind of, there, there are different types of vaccines there. But now, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but the, the, one of the, the characteristics of the HIV virus is its, is its malleability. Yes. And so it tends to change a lot. So even though you may have in your body this, this hybrid, you know, uh, the CMB T- HIV T1000 thing. cell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it may not be able to recognize and and mutate to to change if if you're infected with with the HIV virus. Like on, on a small scale, maybe it won't be a problem. But like on a, on a larger scale, mm-hmm. you may. But I, I don't know if there's an, there's an answer. It's it's a good point. In this case, they specifically infected 16 rhesus macaque monkeys. With the SIV Mac 239, and has nothing to do with the iPhone, um, which is a very aggressive form of SIV, which is, you know, 100 times more deadly than HIV, that sort of thing. And I guess they specifically geared this vaccine to attack that. Yes, HIV and SIV, I assume as well, 
mutates very quickly, even faster than the flu, which right. are problematic. We always have to get yearly updates on that. Right. But in order to be HIV or like the CMV, which is part of the herpes class, or the rhinoviruses, which are the cold viruses or whatever, mm -hmm. they have to have certain elements in common. Pretty sure. There's certain things that can't change. So maybe if they can tar target that, that can right, help. that portion of it, yeah. Rather than going for the yeah. head, it goes for the body because you know, the body doesn't change as much. Yeah. It always has, I, and, like, and six And because arms. it's slow-acting, it's kind of constantly eating up the immunodeficiency virus as much as it can. So yeah. it it's not going to provoke an immediate, like, it kills all the weak ones and all you have left are all the strong ones. And those keep reproducing and you have this quick evolutionary backup. So it may be that the slow actingness of it, or maybe they only attach pieces of the DNA that are common to all IV forms of immunodeficiency. Yes, what you said. So it, it's pretty pretty neat, but I, I actually haven't gotten to the, the, the story, which is of the 16 monkeys given the vaccine for SIV, nine of them cleared the virus entirely. Now, granted, they found this out by essentially euthanizing the monkeys and grinding up all their organs and taking... Were you fucking trolls? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's experimentation. They're not going to do this with humans. But they took 240 samples from each monkey. So maybe <laughs> there was HIV or SIV, sorry, hiding somewhere in the body. But it seemed fairly successful. Now, it was only about a 50% success rate. So they got to find out why that's not happening. Is it just that SIV is so virulent, so it's hard so to admit, kill to, to, to find out whether they were still infected with SIV, they killed them and ground them up. They couldn't just do a blood test? They wanted to see whether it had cleared the entire body. Because one of the nasty things about HIV, from what I remember, I could be wrong, is that it can hide in cells and go yeah. dormant and sit there for years. Right. Which is why it's so hard to clear out of right. HIV. You, you never know because you you always have to be aware that it could come back. Exactly. Yeah. I, I know that's that's one of the... So that's, I think, why they tested various organs in this pink slime state. Sure. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Great. Well, but this, this means there might be possible treatments either for treating someone after they've been infected if it's yeah. it allows the body to clear it but also hopefully preventative vaccines that if we can get the success rate up and make sure that it's completely safe and go through regulation and all that it might be a possible solution sure well so, cool i mean it's just it's just cool to hear that something has worked yes and in, in, a, in a good way. Unfortunately, it's bad to hear that they had to kill the monkeys to figure it out. <laughs> but yeah. I, I understand, you know, I guess that yeah, they, you do what you have to do. Yeah. So, um, uh, we'll Kind of sucks for the monkeys because <laughs> <laughs> there they are. They're like, they, they were sick and yeah. now they're not sick. And so like, hey, woo, we're going to go out and party. And then these guys come in and go, no, nah, no, nah, sorry. You're not going to the party. <laughs> Anyway. No, no, I, I don't disagree with you. It's one of the unfortunate parts of animal research yeah. that it involves it's a, it's a thin moral line between doing the testing that's necessary to 
increase medicine and the knowledge to make things better for everybody in general. Because if we find a cure for SIV, that'd be good for monkeys too. Yeah. But there's also, you, you can't go too far in killing mice and monkeys and rats willy-nilly. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that they, they, they don't just decide, oh, let's just go ahead and kill them and figure it out. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a specific reason, so. One hopes, anyway. Uh, so what else we have? Well, I mean, we've talked about the the measles, mumps, and rubella, yeah. and how everything is kind of making a comeback. But uh, like you, you have the uh, the headline: whooping cough risk higher among kids who miss vaccinations. I think that's fairly evident. Yeah, it, it's just that someone finally did a study. Getting numerical values on oh, this. Oh, okay. So they took 72 cases that had happened of pertussis between 2004 and 2008, 2010, somewhere in there. And they compared them to, with 288 children who did not get pertussis in that same time period, who were pretty similar, like same backgrounds, socioeconomic, that sort of thing. And they compared those two groups and found out that of the kids that got pertussis, 34 of the 72, so about half, did not get all f recommended four doses of the pertussis shot. Okay, so it wasn't just – some of them were, were in the process or had got some. Yeah. So you really have to go through – they kind of showed you have to go through the entire cycle. Exactly. To, to be fully, fully uh, protected. Exactly. So they compared that with the 288 non-pertussis kids and 64 of them, which is a little – over 20%, so you got there are different group numbers there, got pertussis. Hmm. And those were ones that had the full four doses on the recommended schedule. So really that goes into the fact that this study was all about the vaccine deniers who keep harping on the idea of too much too soon. That, you know, oh, well, those doctors, they don't know about the schedule they just throw things together willy-nilly. That's my favorite phrase of the week, willy-nilly. And just you give – the baby can't handle that many vaccines in one day, despite the fact that a kid crawling around the floor one day picks up more <laughs> bacteria and viruses than from a couple of jabs at a doctor's. I mean that's really the, the, the meat of that story in that the delayed of the schedule is also not good for kids mm -hmm. and also not good for kids – who can't get vaccinated, who are either too young or they have an allergy or something like that. And that leads to, you know, things like this year where we've had two infant deaths just in Texas from whooping cough. So in 2000 reported cases. Yes. That seems like a lot for Texas. I mean, we, we have what, uh, 20 million people, 15 million people in Texas. Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't remember. I remember 25 million was Texas and Oklahoma. And this is reported <laughs> cases. Right. So, I mean, it's an easily vaccine-preventable disease. Now, there is truth of the matter that the, um, what is the Tdap vaccine is not as effective as it kind of used to be because they created a new version of the Tdap vaccine, which has less side effects, but is also, in the long run, less effective. Uh, less effective. So it behooves parents and, and adults who are going to be around kids to get their boosters, to get on the schedule because science is showing it's not good for you. 
Yeah. And, and this isn't even the people who were saying, no, no, no vaccines ever. I'm going to live natural in my cabin in the woods and <laughs> eat only. But they don't. Know, That's the problem is the people stuff. are not living in the cabin in the woods. They're living. They, they're amongst us. Yes. <laughs> Very populated areas. Yeah. And, and the unfortunate part is like we talked a week or two ago about that Texas church who are a bunch of vaccine deniers. If you have a bunch of people together who are not vaccinated you're more likely to have an outbreak. And this is showing that that's kind of, that that's the kind of thing that's been happening. Yeah. So kind of shifting gears a little to the other side of the world, there are a couple stories of vaccines in India and they both actually have to do with the polio vaccine. Uh-huh. India has officially eradicated polio as of 2011. So it's only been a couple years, but it's been a great success They've really pushed hard to give all the kids the little drops, the polio vaccine drops, and virtually non-existent in India now. Well, unfortunately, it seems like earlier this week in uh, Khatun, yeah, Khatun Primary School in Goghat, a village kind of near Calcutta. Calcutta, that's the easy one, and I couldn't fucking pronounce that. There were a bunch of kids who were getting the polio vaccines at that school, and a father of a under two-year-old kid looked over and noticed that the kids were being given an oral vaccine hmm. from vials that said hepatitis B, <laughs> which is not an orally given vaccine. <laughs> now, unfortunately, about half of those 114 kids who got the hepatitis vaccine orally about 50 or 60 of them started to get sick, you know, threw up, um, were hospitalized, that kind of thing, but none of them have died. They're all fine. It's not dangerous that they got the hepatitis vaccine through their mouth, but it just wasn't great. Yeah. But the worst part of it is it instills a lot of mistrust in the vaccination system. Sure. Well, it's just like going to get the flu shot and getting sick. Exactly. <laughs> People think that there's bad things happen when you get vaccines. They're not going to want to get the other ones, which is actually related to another story, which (laughs) I just found today, which there was a child who got vaccined, uh, got vaccined. (laughs) Let's noun the verb now. (laughs) (sighs) Too much talking, Greg. There was a baby who got vaccinated earlier in the week and apparently within hours of getting the vaccine was hospitalized and, and, and died the same day. Hmm. So it was, people were really worried that this might have something to do with the vaccine. Either you had people in the village who were freaked out that they don't understand vaccines. So they thought it made the kids sick, or you had the actual experts in vaccines who were saying, well, it's possible that an orally given vaccine could have gone down the wrong pipe. Asphyxiated the, the yeah. child, right? Or asphyxiated or just gone down the wrong pipe and caused some kind of pneumonia reaction oh, yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, because the lungs really aren't um yeah, you don't you're not supposed to no, put their medicine into the lungs. They don't have the same defense mechanisms than say the stomach does. Yeah, exactly. Well, it turns out that after an autopsy from five different doctors all working together They found out the kid had had some sort of blood clot in their brain, most likely coming from some sort of head injury. Ah, well, isn't that nice? So doesn't necessarily mean foul play by the parents, 
but it was not caused by the vaccine. Right, but they're also saying that the baby was underweight uh, yes. and malnourished. So, which may be just a, a a part of the poverty in that area of India. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So it may be that malnourished and underweight meant that they were more likely to get injured in just general child. You know, it's was it was a little baby. I don't know what what age it was, but yeah. you know, maybe just general crawling around bonked its head doesn't have the full calcium and iron and nutrition that it should, and was more likely to get hurt and had this blood clot oh. and died. Could be, could be. The unfortunate part, besides the fact that the baby died, is that based on the international rules of the whole vaccination programs, technically this is going to fall under the category of an adverse event following immunization. Ah. So AEFI means something bad happened after immunization. Now, unfortunately, that's the kind of thing that the anti-vaxxers would kind of glob onto yeah, and say, oh, you know, 500 incidents of adverse events after an immunization. Well, okay, let's look at the actual cases. No, this kid bonked its head somehow and died of a blood clot. Yeah. That was not a result of the vaccine, but it happened after right. the post hoc ergo, fuck you, you're wrong. Sure. I wonder how many people are abducted after... Uh, abducted by aliens, to be clear. Abducted <laughs> by aliens after vaccines. And do, do those follow? I mean, maybe there's a correlation. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but there is an interesting new tool, which I think will wrap us up on vaccines. Tool? Yes. And not Gary is a tool tool, but... Um... Oh, wow. <laughs> Insulting me to my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you are a iPad or iPhone user... I'm not... Well, then Gary will just sit there and twiddle his thumbs for the next minute. <laughs> there is a new app out there by the Vaccine Education Center at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, CHOP. Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, CHOP. Get them to the chopper. Sure. Okay. They need to add a F of America to that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new app called Vaccines on the Go, What You Should Know. And the idea is there are a lot of people who don't know just the basics on vaccines. And um, it's a nice kind of primer on the basics information. So there are four sections to it. There's basic information about the vaccines that are out there from everything from hepatitis to Tdap, measles, rubella, um, tetanus, um, whooping cough, all the stuff we've been talking about, the flu, just general facts about those some facts about the safety of what's in the vaccines, whether it's talking about timerosol or egg products or something like that. Information on the vaccine schedule. So for babies and for older people, what's kind of a good schedule and what's the safety of that. And they also have some videos that you can watch and kind of get some more information like that. So it's a nice, simple source and it's a free app. So if you have someone who's about to become a parent and is iPhone literate, hopefully, and is on the fence about vaccines, maybe say, hey, there's this app out there that you can just take a look through and browse through to give you peace of mind when you're thinking about vaccinating your child because it shows you some of the basic information about vaccines. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about it. And, and it can, because there's so much to worry about when you have a kid. Sure. But, uh, but you can also go to the Mayo Clinic also has a section on vaccines. Cool. 
And, of course, the CDC is as well. Yeah. Of course, if you're anti-vaccination, you're yeah. probably anti-government. Yeah, this is... Uh, it, I, I know that's that's what the <laughs> woo magnetism, but generally speaking, the, the my experience has been that it's not just one thing. Yeah. Well, if this app or any of the other ones, Mayo Clinic, whatever, it's not going to get the full-on anti-vaxxers. Right. They're, they're not going to believe a word of it. That, that's true. But... Some people... Someone who's on the healthy. fence... Someone who's just about to become a parent and just needs a simple source of information might be a good idea to recommend. So there you go. go out there. It's a free app. Go download it. And they are planning on hopefully eventually putting it together for Android as well. That's in the works. They just haven't done it yet. All right. So it should be more widely available as the months go on. If only Apple would would port their iOS over to Droid, everybody would be happy. <laughs> I don't know enough of that about that to argue, so it's not as yeah, a it's, thing it's a for me. Thing. Yeah. Skeptic Water Interview. Okay, so we're going to take a slight left turn from all our vaccine discussions that we just finished up. Why a left turn? Because it's sinister. Oh, okay. And um, we're going to talk with a friend of mine from Skeptic Action, Susan Gerbic, who was on the show a couple weeks ago. And we're going to talk more about Web of Trusts. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hello, Susan. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> we're doing well. We how were... are you doing? I'm doing peachy keen. Excellent. <laughs> That's good to hear. It's nice, nice to hear people doing well these days it's it's, <laughs> it's nice when people are, are doing well in a fruit related way yes peachy, king. peachy yes, king. I love those. yeah so much easier <laughs> than saying man mandarin orange segments sure yes king. especially because you weren't able to <laughs> exactly so both on the skeptic action site and also here at the skeptic wire we will recommend sites for our friends and followers to recommend one way or the other on the web of trust tool and it turns out that the web of trust tool has recently changed their format and mm -hmm. since we have this united front to try to clean up the internet one website at a time i thought i'd bring susan back on to talk about how they've changed their format is there anything big that you've noticed first susan some big thing you think we need to tell someone about well it's gotten a little easier for people to to uh, vote what Web of Trust has decided is that they wanted to make it – they felt, okay, there was four, four areas you could vote on before. Now you're only voting on two, trustworthiness and child safety. And then within those two categories, it breaks down to other categories like if you go into unsatisfactory of a trustworthy site, then it's going to allow you to break it down into like good site, bad site. Do they track you for cookies and stuff like that, or is it for alternative and questionable medicine, or is it religion and politics that are just mm -hmm. maybe people right. don't want to deal with that sort of thing? Yeah, here, here's the examples. There's malware or viruses, poor customer service, phishing, scam, potentially illegal, adult content, gruesome or shocking suspicious privacy risks, misleading claims are unethical, which is the one we use the most, hate, <laughs> yep. discrimination, spam, potentially unwanted programs, ads, pop-ups, adult content, 
So you'll, you'll pick an area, like you'll say it's positive or neutral or it's questionable or negative. And within those categories you pick, then you decide, is it potentially illegal? Is this a phishing scam? Is this got malware? It breaks it down into more detail for people to look at. I think what they wanted to do is it was too general. People were saying good or bad about a site, but they weren't you weren't understanding easily enough why it was bad. Was it because they were making unfounded claims or did they not give refunds? Were they spamming you? So they wanted a better way of breaking it down so that people looking at Web of Trust would be able to get a better answer. So they wanted to simplify it, but at the same time, make it more targeted to say, I think it's bad and this is the specific reason why. Making it easier with just kind of a drop down menu to say, it's bad because of this. Right. It's it's better to do it that, yeah, it's easier to do it this way. And so there's only two categories you're wait, rating on, trustworthiness and child safety, whereas before there was four categories. Mm-hmm. So it's it's easier to do now, and it's also a little bit easier to vote. There used to be a sliding scale that would at times look very confusing. So now the sliding scale is much more usable and more obvious when you're – Sliding the scale from green to red, it's much more obvious. And so they, they've cleaned it up. It's also easier to comment and um, to understand what it is that people are commenting on and how they feel about it. And what and what has it hasn't changed. But I really do think that people should um, use this. There's a little thumb up or thumb down on each person's comments. So as you're reading people's comments, you can up their comment, you know, or down their comment. And I think that that's something we should be doing as well. Is just go through a page or two and just look at the comments that people are making and, and uh, give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down. That just makes more powerful arguments. Yeah. So maybe three or four users have rated negatively for say an anti-vaccination website and all their comment was, was something like, Oh, these guys are a bunch of anti-vaccination nuts. And mm-hmm. Maybe you want to upvote the one that really went in to say these people are supporters of so-and-so vaccination person. They have constantly quote Wayfield as if, as if he's Jesus or something like that and are constantly quoting natural news, that sort of thing. If they give you specifics, you can try to really upvote them, that sort of thing. Right. Hmm. You want to give them more credit. So it makes your vote go further. Cool. Yeah. Now, just out of curiosity, the you said there's there two things you can rate the trust in the children, but on the pull down menu, like I'm I'm using for example Chrome, Google Chrome, mm-hmm. I still have the trustworthiness, the vendor reliability, the privacy, and the child safety. Really, right? Oh. That's fading. That's going away. Oh, okay. I'm using Chrome also, but that is going away. It, they said they're phasing it out. Now there's 95 million people have downloaded Web of Trust. Huh. So, you know, it takes a while to get around to everybody, I guess. Okay, so they'll just knock, push it They're going to go knock on your door and ask <laughs> if they can come in and, and change things around. Yeah, we definitely so, know Firefox has updated on the several computers I use that it's it's working that way. But I guess Chrome is a little behind depending on your computer well, if you haven't updated on. it. Yeah. I've got it on mine for the last few days. So, so. it's basically Gary's fault. Yeah, it's me. That's fine. <laughs> You're in Texas. That's why. It's <laughs> I'm Texas. I only go to three sites these days. Yeah, we're in, Cal- <laughs> we're in California now. You know, it's a little different. But yeah, it eventually everybody will be. I'm glad you raised that point for anybody who's listening and they say, no, this hasn't changed at all. Yes, it will be changing. It's changed. It'll have a whole different feel to it. 
It, this only popped up in the last week or two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it'll okay. take a little time to migrate through, but um, hopefully it'll be simpler and a little bit more focused. Yeah. yeah. So Susan, since I wanted to be lazy this week and I figured since we had you on, why don't you tell us about a couple of the sites that are maybe coming up in the next few days after we post this episode? Right. Okay. I've got a couple for you, some good ones. Let's see what I got. Well, there's all sorts of really great things that are coming out. Um, the, there is this one that is called AdSorms. This is get slim, get beautiful skin, get white skin, get big breast. I guess you only get one big breast. That's right. <laughs> get young, get muscular, get big penis, get tight vagina, get curvy, get hair back, get energetic, get perfect face, get white teeth, get disease-free, reduced breast. So I guess you get one big breast and one reduced. No, extra I, hair. I know some people that are going to be upset about I got, that. I got, I got rid of that. Imbue, improve eyesight, improve brain power. Now, what I've done in the last week or so, we're doing um, fish barrel. We've introduced fish barrel. So we do skeptic action is um, web of trust. That's what I started with. Mm -hmm. Then we went to rebutter. And then now we're using fish barrel. So with Fish Barrel, you can actually highlight the parts of the page that are making claims, uh, medical claims, and you're reporting them to the FDA. Wow, that's a, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a form that you just – it's really easy to use. I, I did it again this morning. You just go through. You sign up, obviously. To start out, you have to fill out the form most of the way with your name and your address, which is not shared with the – the person you're it's the fda uses it and then it's like a generic form it's some guy in britain invented this and he's really kind of like he wasn't going to do anything with it because he said us americans weren't really doing anything with it <laughs> so uh you know tim farley talked about it a lot and i said oh i want to do that so i just introduced it to our group so as skeptic action becomes a bigger group we're going to take on more things that you can do and so fish barrel is the most recent one before we move on from that I assume you're not talking about fishinbarrel.com, which is basically a pond fishing site for Maryland. <laughs> no. How do they it's get, how do our users get, how do our users, how do our listeners get to Fish Barrel? Fish Barrel? Well, you could go to Skeptic Action. You could sign up for Skeptic Action, and, they're in the, and there are directions on the three, how to use all three, Web of Trust with video. There is Rebutter with video. He put out a video just for us to show our Skeptic Action users how to use Rebutter. Hmm. And then there's also, then it says Fish Barrel and how you get it and how you use it. It's another plug-in that comes to your computer. It's a little bright, bright rubber duck, yellow rubber duck. And it fits on your, <laughs> on your uh, plug-in. So a couple other things we're going to be doing this week coming up. Camel Milk. And I believe if this is the one I reported them to the FDA because they say that they are doing studies on autistic children for camel milk, but the children have to have no vaccines. Oof. They can't be vaccination free. So some of these, if you read them, you're, you're really like, what? Really? So these parents are signing their children up for studies to see if they're, um, they're improving their autism, I guess. So... Another thing that we're going to be doing once in a while, I will put out a plug for us to go and rate a book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you rate books. I don't want to have people rate books they haven't read yet, but um, I'm giving an example of a discussion that's happened on Facebook for Don Prothero and Daniel Loxton's Abominable Science. 
that just came out just this, at last TAM. Their book went out onto Amazon, and it got flooded with people giving it one-star ratings Oof. because people were attacking it because they didn't like – because they attacked their favorite monster. So they went and they gave it a lot of low ratings on Amazon, and that's not good. So we need to go back in to Amazon and rate it highly. But again, I don't want people rating things unless they've read the book. Right. So if they've read the book, I'm saying please go make a rate and you know say nice things about it, and you know if you like the book, and um, also if you haven't read the book, then we should be rating other books, books you've read. Let's give them some good ratings and that are skeptical science books because it really is important to the outside world because the whole idea of getting with skeptic action is to get beyond the choir to get to people who are not in the skeptical world. We want people who are outside of our worldview to find these books and say, oh, that mm-hmm. sounds interesting. Uh, yeah, let's get that. And that brings them into the skepticism. Same with the Web of Trust. We've got 95 million downloads of Web of Trust. This is our way of talking to people who are not in the skeptical world again to to understand this is something that you should be not be around. So we're trying to – it's more of a consumer protection. Awesome. And as a little editorial, what I would suggest if someone's going to go onto Amazon and review a book, you don't have to do a 50-paragraph review of a book. Sometimes you're scanning by the reviews of Amazon and you see 10 paragraphs in a review. You just skip that one entirely. So just a few sentences about the good science or good philosophy or good skepticism in a book. Get in, get out. Wham, bam, thank you, man. You're done with your review. And And people give you five stars. The more the merrier. Because sometimes you might even want to say, I found it totally readable. I love the photos. This is something I couldn't put down. Those kind of things, instead of going into detail. Yeah, like you say, sometimes you need it all. You need those people who <laughs> really want to have – some people like the detail because they're not going to buy a book unless they have got a lot of detail on it. And some people just want to know that it's enjoyable or their kids loved it or, you know, I just bought it for the photos. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever reason, it's just always good to always go in. I want to remind my skeptic action readers to go in and review these books every so often. If it is abominable science, pick something else. But do not do it unless you have read the book. I really feel strongly about that. Very cool. So, dear listener out there, you know that there's lots of little tools you can do to help spread skepticism. And you can find a lot of them by following along with the Skeptic Action feed, which Mm -hmm. Susan will now tell you the various ways you can follow her feed to find out what you can do to help skepticism. We are on Twitter under Skeptic Action, no space between the words. You can also follow us on Facebook, where we have more of a conversation about the different things that come in. And then we're also on Google+. And there are, right now, there's a little over 600 of us. Well, And I want to thank Skeptic Wire Podcast, because within a day or so of being on your last podcast, talking about Skeptic Action, I got 15, maybe 20 new followers on um, Twitter and Facebook. And it was really great, because... It really bumps us up. This is crowdsourcing. We can't do this unless we have lots of people. So I mean, I'm looking for like 6,000 people, but 600 I'll take. We're, we're able to make sizable chunks in them. Well, in, I don't uh, think we have 6,000 listeners, but... No, but there's some more out there <laughs> waiting that need to join this. Come on. And what happens is people join and they don't always participate every day. Right. But when you get a chance, maybe once a week go in and do seven. They're yeah. just sitting there on your Twitter feed. You just follow it and just – it takes a minute, it's even that. Yep. Once a day, rate something from the Skeptic Action feed and then tell a friend about it once a day. 
and maybe right. we'll and get up to that 6,000. Right. Just just move. Yeah, and that's how we're getting them. Is people are spreading it on their social networks, and people go, what the heck is this? And it's like, oh, it's really easy to do. It's just something you can do. And it's and, and, and a lot of people like it because I, I mix the sites up a lot. We do all kinds of sites, cow's milk, goat's milk, monsters, uh, vaccines, Scientology we did the other day. That was great. I tweeted to Kirstie Alley. There, <laughs> That's... There's all kinds of different things that you can do. I do all different. I mix it all up. It's not all just homeopathy and anti-vax. It's crazy stuff, you know. <laughs> Very cool. Things. Yeah, it keeps it interesting. Well, congratulations on the continued success of Skeptic Action. And Thank uh, thanks for joining us this week, Susan. Okay. Ho- hope to talk to you again soon. I Absolutely. sure do. I hope to see you guys both again. Okay? okay. Thanks, Cheers. Susan. Skeptic Wire Interview Robin. So that was awesome. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> cool. And finally, finally, someone else other than Greg got to got to speak to this imaginary person on the <laughs> interwebs. I'm using I'm using scare quotes in my my air quotes and my fingers, which you can't see on the podcast. <laughs> it so, also helped that I technically figured out how you and I both can talk to Susan in the true. one feed. <laughs> yeah, true. Very very good job for for a non technical recording yeah. guy to guy person exactly. thing. <laughs> And you did it all on your own too, so that's that's well. Doctor Google helps me. Uh, well, it helps <laughs> me too. We won't say anything anything bad about Doctor Google. Uh, <laughs> at least nothing printable. <laughs> and the fiftieth anniversary is coming out in November. No, wait a minute, that's Doctor Who. <laughs> that's right. All right. So uh, I, I hope that by, by the time this goes out, yes, uh, Thursday will have been Talk Like a Pirate Day. Oh, oh! So, arr. so people should probably wear colanders and and have pasta as well. That's why when I was I went back to last year's episode about this time, and I was trying to figure out if I had repeated the birthday that I was going to do this week, the mm-hmm. Nicole, the Pumsy, the Whimsington, whatever his name is. And I dropped in the middle of the episode to figure out, okay, had I listened to the same person of birthday? And for some reason, I was talking like a fucking pirate. <laughs> It's like, what stupid in-joke were we doing that week? <laughs> oh, it actually meant something for the time of year that it was. Exactly. <laughs> nice. I think today was Constitution Day as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I think some of the secular groups were trying to push the kind of secular Constitution angle. Yeah. That it is a godless Constitution. Christianity is not the state religion and all that kind of stuff, but... Or the national religion, for that matter. Exactly. It kind of is in Texas. <laughs> it's the unofficial, some, some it's the official unofficial religion of Texas. Uh, I guess. Yeah. I guess we'll wrap it up. Yeah, then. I have no idea how long we've been talking. <laughs> True. I'm gonna go. I'm home sure it's at least an hour, and Gary's got to go do work and stuff. And yeah, I'm a little worried that it's raining and I'm on the motorcycle tonight. <laughs> Well, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Nope. That is true. All right. So what did we learn this week? I don't know. Please tell me. Well, we learned that people will still email us. Yay! Yay! And thank you so much for that. We learned that it was Brinsley Lepore Trench, 8th Earl of Clancarty, Jingleheimer Schmidt's birthday today. <laughs> and he was a little bit, if not a lot, on the wooey part. We learned that I poop. 
Yeah, and I put is... myself on a pedestal when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> which is probably more than the listener needed to know, but okay. Yep. And speaking of poop, we have holy water. Holy poop, more like it. And while the Catholic Church is becoming more and more irrelevant 140 characters at a time, they are becoming more and more relevant to the CDC. <laughs> we learned that about vaccines. It's a virus. Vaccines can't fix that. Actually, it can. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get the reference to. Oh, there was a Batman cartoon where uh, with the, with oh. ba- with Batman slapping Robin, and Robin was saying, "I need to go get get a shot for my for my cold." And he was like, and Batman's like, "It's a virus." Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it turned into a thousand different memes. Yes, yeah. it has. We learned that uh, Susan Gerbrick has many cheerful facts about the square root of the new Watt plugin, which sort of works but doesn't really work at all. Many cheerful facts about the square root of the no, it's it, it doesn't. Quit. Many cheerful facts about the square root of the Watt plugin. Okay, all right, that which can work. because it used to have four, now it has two, so it, that's that's the square root. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you so much, Susan, for joining us. We really appreciate you coming on and and pushing your stuff. And that's really all we talked about today. Yeah. Isn't it? So thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, Greg, thank you for hosting once again and recording and editing. And <laughs> thank you, Gary, for popping your head up from grad school for a couple hours. And go on back to the drudgery that is your schoolwork. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm going to do. It's going to be a long week. So we hope everybody has a safe Talk Like a Pirate Day, or had a safe Talk Like a Pirate Day, and has a safe weekend, and we hope you join us next week, when we should have Donna back. That's Donna. Have Donna back. Not donuts. Not donuts. Ooh, donuts sounds good. Donna better bring donuts. (laughs) So, that's our next (laughs) t-shirt. I was expecting donuts. Alright, talk to you later. Enjoy yourself. Bye-bye! Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to the Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Great. So, I have an update. Ooh, you have an update. I have an update. Uh, Last... Exactly. Uh, Oh, you want to do that? Or you want to go... Oh, yeah, we were supposed to do the email. The email, then the birthday. Then we... (laughs) Oh, we were doing birthday before... Oh, we are. God damn it. (laughs) I didn't have it written down. That's why I was It's like, okay. I thought you were talking about an email, but you called another update. Sure, I'll go with the flow. No. <laughs> Yo, hey, we'll improvise. We'll get through it. Well, now I'm just going to And then you start up spitting the at the camera, the yeah. microphone. Camera, microphone. All right. Um, Let me wash my hands. Why did you go to the Catholic Church? Ha ha, see, because ha ha.
Yeah, that'll do it. So part of the reason why I think I haven't gotten sick in the last couple of years is because I adopted the dog, which means I'm constantly washing my hands. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it, and I, I've just actually just started because of the state of the bathrooms at UTSA mm-hmm. because there are some filthy people. It's disgusting. <laughs> so, you know, I, when I wash my hands, the first thing I do is I get the the towel out yeah and then i wash my hands and i rip the towel and i dry my hands and then i open the door with a towel and i throw it out outside yeah. because it's ugh, <laughs> i don't it's doubt really it really gross and i don't want to cast aspersions on people but now you should be able to hear me better yes yes we do <laughs> and um i don't know what it is but something weird about this setup that I'm doing to feed the audio into my system and everything means that I can't share my video with you for some reason. I don't know why it's not doing it, but there you go. I'll just pretend you're there. Put 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 a sock over your hand and just have it talk back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Skeptic Wire Sock Puppet Theater. That's right. So you just heard the melodious voice of one of my two co-hosts, Gary. Hi, Gary. Hello. Glad to finally talk to you. Melodious, huh? Yes. Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we we actually kind of did a lot of our show, and so we'll just kind of intro into, well, we're going to switch gears for a second, blah, 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 blah. Okay. We have gears? Um, yes, they're very Probably. rusty. <laughs> okay. Like that grasshopper? Rusty grasshopper. No, the grasshopper with the gears in its leg. That's oh, one. right. That one. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so many, well, you know, you Apparently post... Apparently not. <laughs> well, Susan, you post a lot of stuff to your skeptic action, so like you said, you probably forget half of the stuff you're posting a couple weeks in advance. Oh, yeah, we, I, well, I glance at it and it'll remind me, but yeah. yeah. we, I, well, okay, we, I post maybe 10 stories to our Facebook page every day every of day, yeah. various <laughs> things that are going around in science and secularism news and all that, uh-huh. and sometimes... Gary will start talking about a story that I posted just that day. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And one of them was, uh, yeah, what Gary was just saying. Yeah. The grasshopper with the gears. Yes. <laughs> the thing. Yeah. And I want to thank Skeptic Wire because the last time I was on your show, within a day of uh, me being on your show, I think I... Uh, we lost oh, you again. No. <laughs> We're almost there. <laughs> okay, yeah, we got you back. We're and you were, you were just saying that uh, within a day of being on the skeptic wire. Okay, maybe I should, say, maybe I should start over and say Go I for want it. to thank okay. Well, congratulations on the continued success of Skeptic Action. And uh, thanks for joining us this week, Susan. Okay. Ho- hope to talk to you again soon. I sure do. I hope to see you guys both again. Okay? okay. Thanks, Cheers. Susan. Thanks, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> we can't win. <laughs> Every once in a while, a little audio glitch would creep in uh-huh. that it, it sounded like you were being censored. Yeah. I kept I kept expecting to come through in the you know, like the Scientology. I even talked <laughs> about science. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous stuff. You know, they are monitoring us oh, at all times. Why are you having problems? Were you having problems all night or just with me? Um, I think it's like the narrowest, narrowest, the narrowness of like 
the broadband going on here with both our computers, Gary and I, plus his tablet, plus my phone. And, it, and it's been raining here in Texas today, so all, all the bits find it extremely hard to swim through the morass getting to the Aww. computers. Yeah, well, the... I was having a little problem when I, when I came home. I had to start my computer again, so I don't know. It could be me. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. 